In Revelation chapter 3, look at verse 1. Revelation chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. God in the seven stars. The angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things that remain and, be, and that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect for God. I imagine the people here in Sardis were very faithful in their attendance. I imagine their numbers looked really good. If they posted them in the front of wherever they met, their attendance was pretty good, I would imagine. They looked good on the outside. But I'm going to tell you, they weren't faithful. They weren't faithful just because they were doing these outward things. Outward things are not necessarily a gauge of our faithfulness. In Matthew chapter 23, beginning of verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. You see, God is much more, or is very much interested on the inside, what our heart is like, what our attitudes are like. And we may look clean on the outside to everyone around us, but God knows what's on the inside. And God says we're not necessarily faithful just because we're clean on the, inside, on the outside. If you turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2, I want to look at the church at Thyatira. The, third, search, the church at Thyatira had a, a picture that is presented here of what I think faithfulness looks like and what we should be striving for as we try to be faithful as well. Beginning in verse 18, the church at Thyatira was not perfect. But there are aspects of the church that we need to emulate in our lives as well. The church at Thyatira. The church at Thyatira. Thyatira had a notable resident. You remember that resident, a woman. She was a seller of purple. Lydia was a resident of Thyatira. Was she a member of this church at this time? Don't know. Maybe she was. She was from this town. Revelation chapter 2, beginning verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my spirits to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death and all the churches uh, will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say and to the rest in Thyatira as many as do not have this doctrine who have not known the depths of Satan as they say, I'll put on you no other burden but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed into pieces like the potter's vessels, as I have received from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. There was a problem at Thyatira. But I'm going to tell you, there were members there who were faithful. And Jesus notes that here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 16. I want to look at those characteristics of the faithful in Thyatira, that Jesus commends to us. Because we want to be faithful, and as we examine our lives, and as we prepare for how we're going to be living our lives in 2024, if we live that long, Lord willing, 
We need to look at our lives and see if our lives have the same characteristics. Jesus paints a picture of faithfulness that includes works. It includes works. Acting upon what God has instructed us. The people here in Thyatira were acting on the instructions that God has, had given them. Faithfulness to God means that we're going to be working. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 verse 14 says, talking of Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works or zealous for good works. Jesus died on the cross so that he could purchase us to be zealous for good works. Now, we don't necessarily use the word zealous every day. And so there may be some questions in our minds. What does it look like to be zealous for good works? Well, have you ever seen a zealous sports fan? There are a couple of zealous sports fans in our audience tonight that set out in the cold today to watch a sport, sporting event. And I dare say they weren't the most zealous people there. I bet there were people who were dressed up in all kinds of ridiculous garb and screaming at the top of their lungs and acting otherwise out of their head because of a sporting event that was going on. And nothing wrong with that. That's zealousness for a sporting activity. Have you ever known someone who was zealous for a hobby that was just totally consumed by this hobby? And so if you can envision that person in Nissan Stadium today, Zealous for the Titans. God wants us to be like that for good works. We need to be pursuing them. We need to be energetic about good works. That's what God wants us to be. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God wants us to be doing good. He's given us a book to tell us how to do good works. Faithfulness includes acting upon what God has told us to do. Are we doing that? Or are we just reading this and, and giving mental assent to it and saying, yeah, that's what it says, but are we doing it? In James chapter 1, verse 25, James chapter 1, verse 25, we use this context refuting the idea that all you have to do is believe and you don't have to be obedient in order to become a Christian. And that certainly fits. I want to tell you, James wasn't written to non-Christians. James was written to Christians. And James is telling us that we need to be hearers of the word and not doers only. James 1, verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he not being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. James says, you and I need to be doing what we read. Faithfulness includes works. It includes obeying the instructions that God has given us. And you may be already doing this as you look at your life, looking at what you do. But let me ask you this question. Do you also gauge your faithfulness by your love? The next thing that Jesus says that I know your works and charity or your love. Jesus is looking at our love. Is our love representing our faithfulness? 
Do we place a premium on, on our attitude towards others, especially our attitude towards our brethren, that we're loving them? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of Jesus, in painting that church at Thyatira, commended them for their love. Would He commend me for my love? Would He commend you for your love? Do you see love as being such an important thing that you've got to be focusing on that, on how you view your fellow man, especially your brethren? Peter says that we have to have unfeigned love. Unfeigned love. Not fake love. Not love that's just for show. Not love that puts on a good front and then goes and talks about them behind their back. Not love that smiles to their face but then sticks a dagger in their back when they walk away. Unfeigned, unfaked, real, genuine love. Do you have that kind of love for your brethren? And not only is it unfeigned love, Peter says it needs to be fervent love. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Not something you just do because you have to. Not something that you'll do when other people are looking, but you are fervent in your love for your brethren. Are you focusing on that? That's how faithfulness looks. Faithfulness has this unfeigned, fervent love. And Jesus sets the bar for us in our love in John 13, verse 34, beginning. John 13, beginning, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Jesus is the bar. And we're not to stop anywhere short of that bar in our love for our brethren. Are we doing that? Are we living up to that? Can you imagine Jesus treating his disciples the way that we treat each other from time to time? Can you imagine Jesus getting petty with his disciples? Can you imagine Jesus going around and, and, uh, and gossiping about uh, Simon Peter? Or going around talking to, to John about how James is really just, you know, he's, he's done it now. We need to have the same love that Jesus had. And Jesus said it'll be a trademark. That's how we're going to be able to be identified as his disciples. By the love that we have for one another. Jesus, in commending the church of Thyatira, gives a picture of faithfulness that includes works, and includes love, and it includes service. Our service to our fellow man. The love that we are supposed to have, that Jesus has already noted here, should manifest itself in our service. In John 15, verse 13. John 15, verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Are we loving each other enough to serve each other? Are we loving each other enough to go the extra mile for them? To sacrifice of ourselves for our brethren? Can you imagine when we have the opportunity to serve one another and we decline that request by saying that's too much? Can you imagine laying that next to Jesus and his example? That he laid his life down for his friends. He showed his love by giving his life. And you're unwilling to be inconvenienced for a few minutes 
for your brother? First John chapter 3, verse 16. Hereby, hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for, our breth for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for, from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. If we're supposed to be willing to give up our lives for our brethren, and that clearly is the standard that's set, that we ought to be willing to give up our lives for our brethren, then we ought not to balk at anything short of that. And I dare say that none of us are going to be asked to give up our lives for our brethren. There are a lot of smaller things down here that we can be doing and we should be doing. And sometimes we don't do because we say, ah, oh, that's just too much. We need to be serving one another. This means that we're going to put others' needs and desires ahead of our own. In Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, beginning of verse 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus was willing to forego his interest in favor of his brethren. And me being serving, uh, serving others like I should means I'm going to have to forego my interest and my desires to be the servant that I need to be. The picture of faithfulness includes works, love, service. I want to tell you it obviously includes faith. If we're going to be faithful, we're going to have to have faith. Faith, and that's not just an ambiguous assent of the mind, but faith is something that's going to be manifested in my life. In Hebrews chapter 11, in Hebrews chapter 11, the passage that we look at so often because it shows us faith and how it manifested itself throughout time in people of the Old Testament. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, What shall I say more? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David all promises, stop the mouth of lions, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Do you see that this is not just a mental ascent? Faith is going to be demonstrated by the way that we live our lives. And it goes on. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in sunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. And I love this parenthetical statement, of whom the world was not worthy. I think that's an understatement, isn't it? They were so faithful. The world wasn't worthy to have them in their, in their presence. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All, and these all obtained a good report through faith. Receive not the promise. Faith is going to dictate and mandate the way that we live. It's going to cause us to make whatever sacrifices are required. 
It's going to cause us to live true and faithful to God no matter what may come. We're going to be pleasing to Him. And can you lay some of those things beside the challenges that we face with or face with today? As they went through, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, afflicted, tormented. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tortured. And they remained true to God. What does my life look like? What are the things that can sometimes cause me to waver and wonder if I should be faithful to God or not? How would that look if they wrote about my life? Well, he was sneered at. Somebody looked sideways and crossways at him, thought he was weird. They ridiculed him. They didn't invite him to certain events with them because they thought he was strange. And he teetered and tottered and didn't know if he was going to be faithful or not. We've got to be faithful no matter what may come. Paul was faced with difficult times in his life. And notice his faithfulness to God. In Acts chapter 27, you remember there in the midst of their, the terrible uh, ship ride towards Rome. And even the sailors are beginning to doubt if they're going to make it. And Paul tells them they need to eat. Notice what he says in Acts 27, verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. The experienced sailors had given up hope. Paul was told that there was not going to be any loss of life. And what was Paul's response? I believe what God told me. And he acted based upon that belief. Do you believe what God told you? And are you acting upon that belief? Faithfulness obviously includes faith. Faithfulness also includes patience, Jesus notes here. In order to be pleasing to God, we have to keep on keeping on. We have to keep doing all of these things. We, need to have, we have to have patience to persevere even when times are tough, when the days are long. We have to endure. In James chapter 5, verse 10, James chapter 5, verse 10, Take my brethren the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You've heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that he, the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. We have example after example of people in the Old Testament. We have the prophets. We have Job. We have others who show us that we have to keep going on. We have to keep on keeping on. We have to be patient. We can never get frustrated and say, enough's enough. I can't do it anymore. We have to stay true to the course. No matter what may come, we have to be patient. We have to keep on keeping on. And some of that patience may mean that we have to endure injustice. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be treated wrong. Chapter 2 verse 19. You know, we're going to be treated wrongfully in this life. People are not going to do us right. People who even should know better, people who, who may even proclaim to be Christians, are going to treat us poorly and treat us in ways that aren't just. We have to endure that. 1 Peter 2, verse 19, For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if when you are buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? 
But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even here too were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. It's hard to be patient when you've been done wrong. When you've done, I'm sorry, when you've been done wrong, when you've done right and you're treated wrong for it, then that's hard. When you've done wrong and you suffer for it, that's understandable. But when you've done right and you suffer wrongfully for it, that's hard to take. Jesus is our example. You've got to endure that. You can't get frustrated and give up and say this isn't fair. You've got to keep on. Hebrews 10 verse 36. For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You've got to keep on keeping on. And finally tonight, as we look at faithfulness and how it looks, Jesus tells us that this faithfulness has to include growth. We've got to be growing. And you see at the end of the passage here, he says the last to be more than the first. The church of Thyatira was growing. And we need to be growing as well. Can you say that about yourself? Can you say that compared to where you were this time last year that you've grown? That you've grown in your works, in your love, in your service, in your faith, and in your patience for just a few examples? Can you say that you're better now than you were a year ago? Faithfulness has to include growth. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And notice the points that are brought up here that we've been discussing in our picture of faithfulness. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning of verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations with you, which you endure. Do you see that? That this, this group was abounding. They were growing in the areas that we've been talking about. That tells me I don't just reach a plateau. I don't just reach a level here where I say, okay, I've got it. I'm good. No, I continue to build on that and to grow on that in order to be pleasing to God. I've got to focus on doing more and more and more. I'm not done while I'm here on earth. I don't ever get to set back on my hands and say, I've done enough. I've always got to continue to grow. And that's what Paul's attitude was in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. No, not, the, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Paul had not reached a plateau. Paul, who had been through so much and had exemplified such incredible faith, such incredible love, such incredible service of his brethren, such incredible works of obedience, such incredible patience was not done. He was still growing. And you and I need to continue to grow. That's going to be what causes, helps us to be the faithful people that God wants us to be in the church of Thyatira. Jesus was pleased with the faithfulness of many in the church of Thyatira. Not all. 
but many, and he cites examples of their faithfulness here and characteristics of that. And we have to ask ourselves, is Jesus pleased with me when he looks at me? Is he pleased with my works? Is he pleased with my love of my brethren? Is he pleased with how I serve others? Is he pleased with my faithfulness, my faith, my patience, and my growth? Is he pleased with you? Would he look at you? And we're not looking as a church. We're looking at us individually. Would he be pleased with you? Are there opportunities for you to improve? And the answer to that question, if there are opportunities to improve, is yes, because we all need to be growing. How will we improve? Not if, not do we need to, we need to. How are we going to improve? When you look at your life and you consider your faithfulness, have you been living a life that's faithful to God? If you haven't been, make the determination right now to do that. And if we can help with that, will you let us know while we stand and sing?